I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empowered to Connect podcast. And joining me today on the podcast are Ryan and Kayla North. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. And Maggie Pop. Hi. Hey. Guys, I wanted to have you back on so we could talk about a question we got from a listener. Uh, Carrie sent us a message on Facebook, and she's wondering how to realistically implement TBRI concepts with multiple children. So my big question to you is, how does connected parenting work in a big family? Which is something of a forte for the three of you, since each family, Pops and Norths, have six kids. Yeah, it, it's tricky. <laughs> and also, just on a go on record as saying that in, with some people in adoption circles, these are not considered large <laughs> right. families. Yeah, that's <laughs> just true. to be clear. That's true. We are <laughs> kind of on the, on the medium to average. You're like the average size. Yeah. Size family. Yeah, my family is yeah. very much under, uh, yes. Uh, uh, under yes, average. Yes, you're three children. You need to keep up. <laughs> no, right. I'm just kidding. You don't really. Um, no. <laughs> and I think she even said in her message that all of her children, she has like five kids and they're under the age of six. Yes. I mean, they're little bitties and that is when it gets the trickiest. Mm. Now Maggie has six, nine and under, and we had six, nine and under at one point. And it's tricky. It's mm. tough. And especially when you have a lot of kids that have a lot of big behaviors mm. um, and a lot of big emotions and really like, um, everything sets them off and everything is a big deal, right? Mm. I mean, it's time to put your shoes on and they, you know, they just kind of implode because you asked them to put shoes on, you know? Um, And you get a lot of those moments where you're having to calm them and help them to um, regulate Mm -hmm. because we are their external regulator. And then when you add in, a fluctuating family like a foster family that some days has three kids and some days has six kids and some days has four kids, you know, it becomes even trickier. It's not that it can't be done, but it, but it's tricky. Yeah. So we have, um, six kids currently, um, six, nine and under at one point we did have five, five and under, um, which was, which is insanity. I mean, that just makes, it just makes me tired. We had four, Four and under, oh. but I mean, it just <laughs> this yeah. is a groaning episode. I know, right? Oh. We're just gonna keep groaning. And really, and when you're tiring. in it, it's it. You're in survival mode, and so all yeah. these people are telling me I'm insane, and I'm like, I, this is just. It's, we're just going. We just right? have to keep moving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's a great point because it's like a constant ad- adrenaline rush. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, it's like when you're like if you're playing sports and you get thrown into a, like a difficult situation, you you adapt to it, and people say, "How do you do it?" And you're like. Uh, it just did it, right? It just did it, right? Because yeah. you're in the moment. Yeah. 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 It doesn't make it necessarily easier. And a lot of times you find that, especially in a foster family, when you take on a lot of little people, you have people around you who will say, you're crazy. Yep. Or who will say, well, I mean, you chose this. Mm. And you find that the help doesn't come mm, like good. it might have if you had just had a baby. 
Mm-hmm. And so then you all of a sudden you have two extra little people at your house. And it's not just that you brought in two kids who are able to just do your normal things. You brought in two kids who have trauma histories, mm-hmm. two kids who have just been removed from the only family that they know and are coming to you in a really hard place. And then you have, sometimes you have family and friends who are like, I mean, you could have said no, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, they don't give you the support that you need. That's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it makes it harder and it makes it, you feel like you're drowning. Mm -hmm. I remember the, when we went from three to six kids in a period of like three months, I felt like I was drowning and it was, and I felt like it was all my fault because I, had said, I, I want a lot of kids. And so, you know, I, we can do this. It'll be fine. And then when they came and I felt overwhelmed, then I felt ashamed and I didn't want to ask for help. And I, um, I I just didn't know what to do. And so I just cried a lot. (laughs) Well, and this feeling of being completely overwhelmed and, um, simultaneous with, you know, um, I know that I felt this guilt because whenever things were extra crazy, it was like, Oh, well, my kids who were already in the home before we accepted this next placement now are, are you know, you convince yourself that they're, um, that they're suffering from this and that it's something that it's never going to get better, you know? Yeah. And so you're also feeling a lot of guilt over the stretch of now mommy has to parent six kids instead of four or, um, it is very, I mean, nothing makes that easy. Nothing makes yeah. five kids five and under easy yeah. and it's not going to be easy. And, and quite frankly, in a situation like that, you're you're going to be intensely parenting all day long. Like there's yeah. not any way out of that. Yeah. Um, early and, bedtime. That's the best. Right. <laughs> Making sure they have early bedtime you so you get some downtime. You can start bedtime early. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should have the bedtime challenges episode. 630 is bedtime, right? <laughs> well, seriously, I mean, I, I come to understand that we don't have really early bedtimes in our family, but I can see why especially if your kids get up really early in the morning, you have to have some downtime and you have to not feel guilty about the fact that you need downtime. You have to be able to tag out at some point and have somebody come in and give you an hour break so you Mm. can do something remotely normal as an adult, you know, Mm. because you're, especially if you're staying at home with all these little people, I mean, it gets, it's really exhausting. Yeah. Well, and, like Ryan was saying, it's kind of a constant adrenaline rush. Yeah. And if you're not doing really intentional self-care, like it really is a constant adrenaline rush. And when you're constantly dealing with kids who are dysregulated, you have to think about what your own cortisol level is looking like. Mm-hmm. If it, And it's, yeah. if it's elevated all day long, you can't sustain that. No, not um, at all. And so you do have to make sure that you're focusing some of your efforts on self-care or you can't properly take care of your kids. Well, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that and brought things in terms like cortisol into that <laughs> because when I said it, I was afraid it was coming across like you're an adrenaline junkie. Oh, and that's why you're into that. Because <laughs> yeah. like, um, you know, I could bungee jump or I could have six kids. <laughs> but that's, not, that's not what I meant. And I think yeah. that, that, that you are existing on adrenaline a lot of the time because there is, um, you know, if you got, there is an intensity that then is multiplied by the six kids, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, and I feel like there are times when, when we're kind of just, you know, in the groove because, you know, it's like driving a racing car. It's hard, but, but you're able to do it. Mm. Um, 
and then we just like get to Saturday night. We're like, oh, we're going to watch a movie together on the couch. And, you know, we'll go the next night and say, well, how far did you make it? And we'll go, well, I don't remember this. And, and, like, and, like, and like the credits are still like on the bottom of the screen because you just crash. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, that self-care is such, a, such an important thing because if you don't, I mean, the truth of the matter is that, you know, we, and we've dealt with this before, right? And then when the stress becomes so, so, so much in the house, when you're going through really difficult seasons, that the only stress release valve you have is with your spouse. Mm. Yeah. And that's not good, right? And so all of a sudden, this relationship that you value so highly and have worked so long to make it what it is, is the place where you kind of like go at each other. And, mm. and you have to be really, really careful about those things. And so the self-care, and I feel like we're, I'm meandering a little bit from the original question here, but but I think that it is important that with the more people who sit around your dining room table every night, the more vigilant you have to be mm-hmm. about the the temperature, um, so to speak, in your home. Mm-hmm. I think it all. I think probably the first bit of help we can give Carrie is find a support system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether it's family, whether it's friends. And not only find a support system, but find a support system that believes the same thing that you do. Because yeah. it's one thing to have people who are willing to help. And it's another thing to have people who are willing to help who are also trying to use the same TBR, TBRI principles that we're using. Well, I'm, I'm glad you clarified because when you said you need to get a support system with family and friends, I was going to say the problem for a lot of us is that those, those support systems aren't necessarily there or necessarily instantaneously mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Like my folks and Kayla's folks are are, are pretty supportive um, and you know and help with the kids a lot. Um, but I think I think we got to this place. I don't right. think it's where we started right. with them. Mm-hmm. And and we've had friends that um, you know we were in a we were in a small group of church uh, for years, and for the most part, just kind of felt like. Like, like they didn't get us and they didn't quite understand the decisions we made because all everybody else in the group, lovely people, all with bio kiddos who are parenting mm-hmm. with traditional parenting that we addressed on an earlier episode. And then we're doing the connected stuff and they just thought we were insane. Right. Yeah, like, 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 like we were from California or something. <laughs> this is being recorded in Texas. So people in Texas get that reference. Right. But they're like, uh, are you guys sure you're okay? So, so getting the support systems actually is, um, is a journey mm. and it took us years, right? I mean, like, so we have a new small group of church and Chris and Kelly are part of that and some, some other folks that are, and they're all adoptive and foster families, but that took us a long time to kind of grow that support system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but, but if you're going to seek those support systems out, they have to be with like-minded people because otherwise the support systems ultimately just come, become frustrating because they're not really support systems. Right. So, gang, what are some ways that we can realistically implement these TBRI concepts when we're in the moment with our multiple children? So I think that, I mean, most of the things that you're going to be able to do to make um, parenting those situations in the moment easier um, are going to be things that you do ahead of time. And there are a couple of different things that that can look like. So um, one thing that can be really effective is um, with your with all of your children, you need to make a plan mm. for something that they can do in that moment whenever you have to be with the four-year-old for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so whether that looks like there being um, a couple of bins of things that we only get out whenever 
whenever mommy has to be preoccupied with one of the children, like, so if something like this happens, then you guys have permission to get out these bins and play with these in the living room until I can come back in. Mm. Um, or whether that looks like, you know, the iPads are in on a shelf on the counter and if all of a sudden someone is melting down and I have to be with them, then you have permission to go and get the iPads and watch a show until I can come back in or whatever that plan looks like for you realistically, but to, um, to plan ahead of time. So your kids know what they should be doing, Mm. um, whenever you are not able to be present, um, completely during those episodes. Um, and, and not just what they shouldn't be doing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be a, you have to take a very proactive approach in being a detective, especially if you're in a foster care situation where you've got a new kid coming in and you're not quite sure how they're going to react. So I think the important thing to remember is don't get frustrated because it may take some time as you're doing that detective work with that new child before you can have your plan be effective with them. Yeah. And I think that ultimately it boils down to with when you've got lots of little kids, you have to be really organized Mm -hmm. and you have to have plans in place for a lot of things and you have to do a lot of proactive teaching. Mm. Um, And so if we have kids that are getting really dysregulated and um, we're trying to give them some strategies to help them regulate, right? Because our goal is that ultimately they'll be able to self-regulate at some point. But we have to teach them. We have to help them regulate. So at first, we're giving them a bottle of water and we're saying, I think you might need a little something to drink. Let's get you something to drink. Or we're giving them a snack. Um, and we're saying, wow, it's been a while since you had something to eat. Why don't you munch on this um, cheese stick and then we can talk. Mm. So you have to teach some strategies ahead of time too. Like you might want to show your kids if you have a weighted blanket. Um, Weighted blankets can be really good for calming kids um, or weighted lap pads or even like neck wraps or just a a teddy bear that's kind of heavy. You Mm. can buy like weighted um, stuffed animals. Um, Something with a little bit of proprioceptive input Mm. um, can be really good for our kids when they're needing to calm down. So if we have like, let's say we take um, a little basket and we have a time in basket. So whenever our kids are melting down, we have a basket that's got some fidgets in it. It's got some weighted items in it. It's got maybe a bottle of water or a snack. Um, And we have that basket in a place where we can get it at a moment's notice. If somebody begins to melt down, then we grab that but we can't just grab it and go here, take something out of this basket, right? We have to ahead of time practice with the kids. Okay. This weighted item, it's going to sometimes it it might help you calm down. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to just hug it really tight when we feel ourselves getting, you know, frustrated or mad about something or, um, you know, here's something you can do. We can take deep breaths. So maybe we teach our children how to take deep breaths. That's something our four-year-old is really good at that. (laughs) She knows that deep breaths calm her down Mm. because outside of the moment we've practiced that we've practiced doing things like smell my flower, you know, blow the pinwheel, um, 
smell the soup, cool the soup, those kinds of things, because we breathe in, we breathe out. And she knows that that calms her. So sometimes if she gets really dysregulated and I'll say, take a deep breath. And sometimes she'll go, I can't, (laughs) you know? Um, but most of the time she'll take a deep breath and then she can use words and tell me what she needs. Um, and so, but that's not because Every time she's dysregulated, I tell her to take a deep breath. It's because outside of the moment we've practiced, Mm -hmm. that deep breathing helps you to calm down. And you were saying something earlier about when we're teaching them ahead of time, like with the snacks, the thing that instantly popped in my head was the yes jar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If we, we, when they first come into our home and we're teaching them to co-regulate with the water and with the snacks that eventually gets them to a point where you can just have the yes jar out and once you explain the concept of the yes jar hey when you're hungry you need a snack you can go get something out of the yes jar and yeah. then that that co-regulation then leads to the self-regulation right. where they're getting their own snacks because they feel it coming on yeah well yeah. And, and something else you said about you know practicing outside of the moment so we work on our breathing when we're calm so that when we're dysregulated we ha- we can go to that place and recall what we need to do I think what what we have to remember is that um, the more kids that you have in the home, plus the more kids from trauma that you have in the home, you really have to come to terms with it, that it is, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be long, mm-hmm. and so you have to do the work, and so the only, one of the ways that we've seen success in our family is, like Kayla said, is that these things become part of the, of the regular rhythm of our home, mm-hmm. and so that is, so if we do them enough times the kids start picking up on it and um, we move from the transitioning from the the other regulated through co-regulated to self-regulated and one of the ways we've seen that success in our home is as the kids have gotten older it's just part of like the rhythm of our home now right Right. there was an earlier episode where Kayla um, told a story about our son setting an alarm clock Mm -hmm. to get up and and then we talked about how that was just really such a, a great moment because we realized, oh, this now he was taking responsibility for when he got out of bed in the morning, and so there was some evidence of like some co-regulation developing, uh, some excuse me, some self-regulation developing in his life. Well, that's because he'd been co-regulated for years, mm-hmm. and we practice outside of the moment. So I think that's really really important is that you make these things part of the rhythm of your family, um, and. And you have to create that that environment of felt safety, and we can link to all of these these past episodes in the show notes. But one of the ways that you create that environment of felt safety is through consistency and predictability mm-hmm. for the children. And I think that's so important. And what Maggie and Kayla are saying is these are all strategies that they they're making outside of the moment. So when they get into the moment, the kids know what to do, right? Right. And I think that that's part of the, the creating the, the secure the sense of security in your home is the predictability and the routines and the rhythms of the house. I think this could also be um, a, a great place, especially with the young ages that she's talking about, um, to use things like puppet play and yeah. role playing ahead of time. Because, um, you know, if you're practicing with puppets ahead of time, um, you know, the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things, how to be respectful and how to be gentle and kind and how to ask for permission. Um, if we're not practicing these things with our kids ahead of time, then we cannot expect them to, to do them when right. we need them to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have to be practicing those things. And, and those are some great ways to get the kids involved and excited and, and doing it in a fun way so, so they're wanting to practice. And I think we really need to be flexible too. I think we can get really rigid in our schedules and our structure. 
And when we've got kids that are getting dysregulated a lot, and especially when we have a lot of little ones, um, we have to be kind of flexible in our, in our schedule and realize that, yes, we do like to have dinner at 630, <laughs> but if I have a child melting down at 615, well, dinner might be 645 tonight right. because my connection (laughs) (laughs) the connection with my child is more important than sticking to a strict schedule and so making sure that I realize that I can't just be short with the child and not give them what they need in the moment because I'm afraid of not getting things on the table in time or I'm afraid of not getting to gymnastics class on time Mm. or whatever it is um, we'll just, we'll see those routines and those things happen. Like it may be that every night before dinner, you have a child that's melting down and you start to ask the question, why, what's going on there? Maybe this child can't wait to have something to eat as they smell dinner cooking Mm. and it's getting them really dysregulated. So I'm going to proactively give them a snack or put them on the counter and let them help me and be my taster and my sampler in the kitchen while I'm cooking to keep them from getting dysregulated, Mm. right? Maybe we find that every time we are trying to leave the house, my child is melting down. Well, then I'm going to practice transitions and I'm going to give my child, my children longer time. I mean, when you have five ages six and under in your house, it's going to take you half an hour to get everybody's shoes on their feet. Right. I mean, really, if you're trying to go somewhere, it's it's just going to take longer. And so we have to plan that into our routine so that we're not caught in that moment where we're supposed to be at the doctor's appointment, which is not as flexible because if you're 10 minutes late, they cancel your appointment, right? right? So we don't get ourselves in those positions where we have to just go get in, just get in the car now, you know, and we can still have time to connect and help those children that are struggling to actually really meet the needs. I think also being flexible, um, like we've talked about before in, um, in applying these strategies and being creative because, um, Time in doesn't always look like going and sitting on the couch together for 15 minutes. Sometimes time in looks like you sitting on the counter while I'm finishing up dinner and us um, and us chatting or you helping me out. Or maybe, you know, if, if you're really trying to get dinner on the table, um, maybe that looks like time in looks like you riding around on my back while I set the table and get dinner on the table. And um, and that would include some playful engagement also. Um, so I think we have to be flexible and creative in the ways that we're applying the strategies yeah, for um, sure. to fit kind of our situation also. Yeah. Okay. So planning, being proactive, and being flexible. What are some other strategies that we could use? I think just in general being being a little more organized. So in, in the day to day, you're not having to think about little things like having a meal plan. Mm. So you make it at the beginning of the week and it can be totally flexible. There's tons of ways to meal plan. I have a little dry erase board that hangs in my pantry and it's one of those little, it's kind of a thin one and it just has the days of the week. And I just put breakfast, lunch and dinner ideas for the week. Now it, may look like breakfast may just 
look like we have something called the breakfast station, um, which is just stocked with, it's just a little, um, kind of like a shoebox size from like the container store, those little clear shoebox mm-hmm. bins. And it's filled with instant oatmeal, Nutri-Grain bars. Um, from time to time, I'll put Pop-Tarts in there, which my children think are <laughs> fantastic. Um, and different little uh, pre-packaged cereal, things that little people can get on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, with very little help. So they can pick what they want for breakfast. So that's a really easy, I don't have to think about breakfast because it's breakfast station, except maybe on Saturday I might make waffles or we might make eggs or something like that. And so I can make something really um, simple, quick, and easy. But making having that meal plan in place cuts down on the having to think about it during the day. Um, if I think about it once for the week, make sure I have all my ingredients and then all I have to really think about is what meat do I need to thaw out or do I need to soak beans or um, that kind of thing. And then having a calendar and like we like to have a calendar meeting once a week where we just sit down and we say, okay, what's coming up for this week? Is there any time where um, I need to have a sitter that week? Is there any time where I need to plan a little extra time because, you know, Ryan's got something where he's not going to be home in the evening. So I know that dinner's going to take longer because I'm going to be by myself managing children and getting dinner ready. Right. right? Um, and that goes into account into my meal planning as well, because on those nights it might be ordering pizza. Mm -hmm. Um, but also giving yourself a lot of grace to use paper plates, (laughs) um, and a lot of grace to use convenience foods. I, we loved, we're really a healthy family, but we like, I mean, we like to have fresh cooked meals and we like to have all those things, but I buy corn dogs and chicken nuggets and French fries because sometimes you need those things mm-hmm. just to be able to get through the week and not mm-hmm. feel so stressed and yeah. giving yourself just a little bit of grace that you, you can do that. Well, and I just want to add one thing about the breakfast station is that it's not to the, just that it's convenient, but it also gives kids control over breakfast, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So there are multiple options that they can have in that. And so they start their day feeling like they have some control. And I think that a lot of behaviors, so you're sitting, I believe that we're setting the kids off on a positive trajectory with something as small as them having control over breakfast. So there's a predetermined thing, right? You have four options and you can have whatever one of those options you want, but they start their day feeling like they're in control of their day. And, and something that's small and you may not even think about it may just change the trajectory of the entire day for a family. Mm-hmm. Along with the um, calendar ideas that you were talking about, too, I think um, a lot of times we just assume that we're going to be able to um, keep up with a lot of the things that we did prior to this placement or Mm -hmm. um, we we get so focused on wanting to keep um, kind of some consistency in our schedules that we forget that our, our previous schedules might not be realistic. And so there are a lot of times whenever, you know, gymnastic, getting out the door for gymnastics is always a trigger and you're always stressed out because you're going to be late. Well, maybe for this season, gymnastics isn't going to work. Right. And just slowing your schedule down and being able to cut back on things so that you have the time to invest and the time to do investment parenting, yeah, especially with that many little ones. Yeah, absolutely. We had to do that for a season where just 
we said no extracurricular activities for like the fall because Mm -hmm. we said we just need to get adjusted to life with six little people. And then we were able to, in the spring, we said, okay, we're going to add back, you know, this one activity and let's just see how it goes. And then just slowly adding them back and not feeling guilty that everybody was missing out on stuff Mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, we're doing, we're spending time as a family, we're connecting, we're building relationships. And ultimately that's more important than whether or not my child goes to gymnastics or plays soccer or takes dance classes or whatever. Well, Carrie, I hope we have offered some helpful suggestions that you can implement with your own kids. If like Carrie, you have a question for us, you can tweet it to us at tapestry IBC. But since Twitter only gives us 140 characters, you can also email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org or, like Carrie, find us on Facebook at Tapestry IBC. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you have enjoyed and gotten value from this podcast, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the Adoption and Foster Care Ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, tapestryministry.org. Thank you for listening.